You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your number one source for discussions about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Now, get ready for a new episode of Vol Basketball Fever. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, joined, as always, by Gene Henley here on the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. We really appreciate you all tuning in, whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening in on your podcast app of choice. We really appreciate it. If you are on YouTube, give this video a like and subscribe while you're here. We're going to have a couple other videos coming out here soon. Should have a Lady Vol Basketball Fever podcast episode coming out on Friday sometime. And it should also have a Vol Basketball breakdown for Tennessee versus South Carolina this weekend, the second time these two teams have played this season. I think that should be a win, Gene. We may get into that here in a second, but uh, we have other things to talk about. But again, we're available every week at podcasts as well if you want to listen to audio-only format. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're there. Check us out, and we really appreciate all the support from Vol fans and Lay Vol fans alike for this show and the Lay Vol show and everything else we do. So, again, thank you all so much. Uh, Gene's our first episode in February. March Madness is very close to being here, and since last time you and I spoke, Tennessee's played a couple games, uh, won one of them, lost the other one. Uh, the first one, that, well, I guess technically both were kind of close. The AM game was close for a little bit. Um, but Tennessee played, kind of as we predicted, a very ugly, defensive, heavy game against the Texas Longhorns and Rick Barnes' return to Austin, Texas. And Tennessee lost that one 52-51. They were down, uh, what, 16, 17 points? I think 16 points with like six minutes left to go in that game. And then suddenly went on a just torrent, just went on a tear to go and tie it up at 51 all, and then a foul call on Josiah Jordan James with six-ish seconds left sent Texas to the line. They'd missed like three straight free throws at that point, and they made one of the two they attempted to give them the one-point lead, and then James goes down and misses the three at the other end, and that's how Tennessee loses. And then they come out against AM and have probably their best offensive performance of the year, you know, considering, as we talked about, like the you know, you don't want to count the Tennessee Martins or the ETSUs or whatever, but looking at high major opponents, it was probably this one or the North Carolina game. You can point to Tennessee's best offensive performance against a power, you know, high major program. Tennessee goes out and wins 90 to 80 at home against A&M in their third game against a Texas opponent this season. Finally won one. And now Tennessee has won four straight SEC games, Gene. And that's another thing we talked about, that this schedule for the SEC for Tennessee was going to get easier once you got into February. Tennessee started out the SEC slate two and three, but you look at the games they played, it was at Alabama, they played at home against Ole Miss, at LSU, home against South Carolina, at Kentucky, at Vanderbilt, and then they played home again against LSU. So, I mean, that was not a easy start to the SEC schedule for Tennessee, and it made sense they were two and three. You played three really tough road games at Bama, at LSU, and at Kentucky, and those are your only three losses. Granted, one of them was a you know a blowout loss to Kentucky, but, I mean, Tennessee's only losses this year, they've lost six times, and all six of them have been against quad one opponents, or another way to put it, you know, top 40, basically, opponents. Um, and they're really top 30, I guess, really necessarily, uh, looking at where the teams are still ranked with Villanova and Texas Tech and, and those teams. Like, they're top 30 losses for Tennessee at this point. Um, so, anyway, 
before we get into kind of bigger picture looking ahead with Tennessee and, and you know, what the remainder of the schedule looks like, I got a bone to pick, Gene. Not with you, uh, but with some fall fans out there, I guess. Um, I had seen some of the uh, bad mouthing of Josiah Jordan James die down for a little bit because he's he's been playing better. And then I saw it really, really ramp back up on Saturday slash Sunday because of the way the Texas game ended. When he they had the play drawn up, it went perfectly. You had the guys Eagler zoom down the court. He went into the lane, drew two defenders for Texas. And I think maybe a third was about to run over there too. You had James wide open for three, passed the ball to him, and he just missed it. It was a wide open shot. It was a good shot selection. It, that was basically exactly what you wanted in that position, and he missed the shot. And I saw a bunch of people say, why James? Why don't you look over the Vescovy over there in the corner? Why didn't they draw that for somebody else? Why was Kenny Chandler on the bench? All those different stuff. And Gene, I know you're going to have a lot of points to make because you and I both are. I've been a little harder on on James, I guess, than, than maybe you, but I, it's just because you and I both are big believers in Josiah and, and think he's a good player. I think he gets undue, you know, sometimes undue, I guess, hatred, not hatred, it's a strong word, undue criticism from fans in, in a lot of respects. But he'd been playing, he's been playing very well. And in fact, in that game against Texas, heading into that three-point attempt, he'd been three of six on the day. And he was the reason Tennessee really, he sparked that comeback for Tennessee. He hit the three, I think maybe two threes in that run when Tennessee had a, a 16-0 run. Him and Zakai Ziegler were the two guys that sparked that run. Vescovy was 0 for 5 in that game. I don't, I don't think he'd made a three at that point. So literally, Josiah was your hottest three-point shooter and your best three-point shooter in that game. And he's been shooting the three ball better lately. I'll, I'll pull up the stats in a second. But, Gene, I am just tired of the Josiah Jordan James hatred. It seems like whatever this guy does is not enough. I, mean, I don't know if people want him. I think people, because they, you know, he was a five-star coming out of high school or whatever. And you and I have talked about this before. You know, he didn't control that ranking. He he didn't put those expectations on himself. He didn't, at the same time, though, I mean, he, he, none of these guys, well, I don't say none, but a lot of these guys don't put those expectations on themselves. But he, he was never billed, to me, in my opinion, ever billed as a guy who's going to come in here and average 15 to 20 points a game. He's a guy who had a lot of tools and could do a lot of different things, and that's what he does for this team. You look at what he's done. Look at the A&M game. He had, he had a, a season high in 14 points, and he would have had more if he hadn't had four fouls in that game and gotten in foul trouble early. But 14 points, eight boards, two assists, five steals, and a block. I mean, he does about everything for Tennessee. He, he's a guy that could lead the team rebounding. In fact, he might slowly lead the team rebounding. He, he was at one point. But he's a guy who, he had a five-star ranking. He's not he, he's not a five-star player, in my opinion, when it comes to scoring. But he's a he's one of the best glue players I've ever seen in, in a ball uniform and just in college basketball in general. So I, I just wanted to kind of rant a little bit and let you an opportunity to rant too, Gene, because I know where you stand on Josiah as well. But I'm just tired of the hate, man. I... I Especially that the Texas game, I thought, y'all, he was Tennessee's best three-point shooter in that game. Vescovy had yet to make a shot. I know he's, you know, he's consistently Tennessee's best three-point shooter overall. But, like, I think people just look for reasons to be mad about Josiah Jordan James, and it really frustrates me. Right. Well, first, <clears throat> it's the internet, so people just, <laughs> yeah. they just run there with their opinions. Um, you know, I, I think if, if I have if I have an issue, it's the fact that they were just down one point, if I recall. Yeah. Um, I think instead of pointing to the player in the missed shot, I think the bigger issue is why are you taking a three in that moment? We basically, mm-hmm. you could have just, you could have maybe attacked the basket, maybe try to get something there. Um, but I mean, you said it. I mean, I, I like, I went back and watched the play 
and uh, Ziegler had no options. Like, if you see the play, and, and like, look, you can do certain things against Tennessee Tech that would actually, you know, that would work in that moment, in that instance. Like, a team like Texas, guess what, folks? A team like Texas is not going to give you Vescovy. Vesc- they're not going to give you that option to hit that shot because that's the person uh, like and that's the person that you don't want taking a wide open shot with, especially with the game on the line. Um, you know, like I, I look, I understand like people don't like him. Get over it. He's there. And if you looked at if you look at his skill set, even just coming out of high school, you're going to give that kid a five star ranking because he's six, six. He's got a good build. Uh, he was never a great scorer. They forced him to score his senior year, and he started scoring some. But he, at his best, you thought he was going to be a six-six point guard. Like, I mean, do people remember the career of JP Prince? Because guess what, he wasn't all. He's not all that different. I mean, if you just look at some of the measurables, look at some of the numbers. Uh, I mean, it it ain't like you know when JP Prince was a, uh, growing up in Memphis when he went to Arizona. Everybody's looking at that point. I mean, he wasn't too far removed from a guy like Jalen Rose. And that's kind of who you're thinking that he could possibly be. Like the big point guard, big left-handed point guard that can do everything well but nothing great on the court. And that's essentially what Jalen Rose's career was. And I loved Jalen Rose back in that day. Like if you're my age or a little bit younger or just a little bit older, you love the Fab Five. Or you hated them if you, you know, obviously under certain circumstances. And that's on you. But, um, but like that's kind of what Josiah is. He's a guy, he's, you know, he's a guy who can do a lot of things well. He does nothing poorly. Yeah, if you're quiet because you don't hit game-winning shots, well, guess what? You know how many Kobe missed? Don't let the 25 or so game winners he hit distract you from the fact that he missed a vast majority of those shots. Like, you're going to take, you're going to take, I mean, if you're Tennessee, you got exactly what you wanted because you knew that Texas was going to take away Vescovy. You knew that your option, your best option was the trailer who, you know, to be fair, was three for four from three up to that point. You know, it was a wide open shot. He's just got to make it. He missed it. But I, again, I don't know. Um, I don't really keep up with ball Twitter because I think that's just more of a creation of, you know, people excited because they think they made something happen a few years ago. I don't keep up with them on that. Um, you know, if people don't like him, then that's not going to change. But they're never like if he if he has a good game, they're going to say that's what he should be doing. If he has a bad game, they're just going to just jump all over him. He could score 28 points in a game. People would just simply say should have been doing that all year, his entire career. That's what I mean. That's who that's who people are. And again, I, I think a lot of people who complain, I've said this before, a vast majority of people who watched Josiah Jordan James play prior to coming to Tennessee would say would probably say yeah this is kind of what we expected but people who didn't watch him play would only simply look at the five-star ranking and say well we got one of 10 15 best players in the country why is he not out here why is he not Zion Williamson they're not I mean they're not that's not the type of player he is like that's the type of player you're going to get at Tennessee I mean that's you know specifically at that point if you think of where that program was she's just a few years ago yeah it was you know, people expected that Tennessee team to be good a few years back, but, you know, number one in the country, I don't think anybody expected that. So when he signs, yeah, there's height, they're a top 10 team, whatever, but 
you're not going to consistently get those guys, those guys who are just going to be so dominant that you're just like, wow. You'll get a Keon Johnson who, you know, because you got Josiah and because of the type of players you got Keon Johnson, because of the type of player Josiah is, you can get a Keon, uh, I'm sorry, a Jaden Springer, Kennedy Chandler, guys like that who, you know, Huntley Hatfield, the guys who have the star ranking. Like, but the star ranking does not mean an awful lot. Folks, please stop just looking at the ranking and do just a little bit of homework because I'll tell you this, and this is why I know, and I know this hurts feelings, but I truly don't care. Um, like this is how I know that Tennessee is still going to be considered a football school because if this was a football player who had a five-star ranking, you would know everything. You know his mama's name. You know his daddy's name. You know about the game he threw for 326 yards uh, as a sophomore and won the state championship. You would know every facet of this kid. But basketball is like, oh, five-star guy, five-star guy. You don't know what it means. You don't even have a clue. It just means he's one of the top 30 prospects in the country. Now, players rank, I mean, players, prospects, all, all that stuff, like how great they are, how dominant they are offensively, all those things, you don't understand that, and that's fine. But don't get mad because the, he's been the same player for three years. That's like getting mad at Russell Westbrook because he can't hit a jump shot now. Guess what? He never could. That's like getting <laughs> mad. Let's, I mean, seriously, that's like getting mad at Kobe Bryant because he passes the ball in a crush time situation. He never did. Like you're getting mad at guys for being who they are. And if you just did just the smallest amount of research, you would have known you would have known exactly what this guy was. It's a little bit of homework. I mean, they told me this thing. They, the coach made him score the basketball when he was in high school. Like his senior year, his junior year, he didn't have to because there was some other prospect. I, can't, I don't remember the kid's name. But they had some other prospect on the team or maybe a number of prospects on the team where he could just be the 6'6 point guard. He was just such an elite talent. But his senior year, they they lost they lost like all those other guys. So it was just like Josiah, we need you to do this. We need you to. He goes out and averages 29 points a game. But the question is, how's he getting those points? Because guess what? If you're a six, six point guard in high school with that build, you're shooting a lot of layups and dunks. It ain't very hard to get 29 points, even a per game in high school, when maybe you're not surrounded by an awful lot. And you're just as physically gifted as he is. He's still a fine player. He missed a shot. Get mad at Vescovy for not making a shot all game. There's so many other things to get mad at. Don't get mad at the kid who literally kept you in the game along with the guy we're about to talk about next. Yeah, and I actually I actually think that JP Prince comparison isn't too far off. I, I liked it. You said that. And I was like, ooh, that just from what I remember vaguely of his stats and from obviously him playing too, that that is an interesting because I think Prince was more athletic overall, just kind of a as a player than Josiah. Josiah's athletic also. He was, he was slightly taller. They're basically same build. That JP Prince was listed at six seven two oh five, and Josiah is six six two oh seven. So I mean, they're how many you know, stars? I mean, I'm pretty sure JP Prince was a five star player. I think he was. If he wasn't, he was like he was a very high four star. Nothing else. Yeah, and I'll tell you why I'm t- why I believe he was a five star. Because guess what? You're going to give the six 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 seven point guard a five star rank. Yeah, he was five, he was that's a five star rivals. That's, that's how this thing works. Like I, I mean, folks, listen. 
the two guys that are that are bringing you all this hot content on this podcast, we have a clue as to what we're talking about. I'm trying to tell you, like it's not that far off, you know. I mean, it's like it's not a bad comparison. And look, if he can just ultimately have the career that JP ultimately had there mm-hmm. had in Knoxville, that's a great career. I mean, he'll probably clo- get close to a thousand points. I don't know if he'll take his fifth year, but he seems to love Knoxville. He seems to love University of Tennessee, even though it doesn't love him back. He gets treated like Jared Garantano all the damn time on the uh, every time. I mean, because of the one thing he does to do when you look at, and I'm not comparing because I look, man, I covered Garantano. I am not saying that. Trust me, folks. <laughs> I'm just saying that's how he gets treated. Uh, you know, that's how he gets treated essentially. And I'm like, man, I just don't think that's. I don't think that part of it's fair. If you're going to criticize the game criticize his game but stop bringing up the stupid ranking every time he misses a shot because that's dumb i mean i'm just being honest that's dumb like it's there's so many other places you could go over the course of i mean of a contest as to things they don't do well can they defend because you can point out every single thing that some player does and I'm not giving anybody a pass whether they're three star, four star, five star. If you can't do something, point that out. But don't say, well, well, he's just a three star. So why should we expect that from him? I'm not putting kick gloves on anybody. I'm just saying, I'm also not sitting here going to punch Josiah Jordan James around because the kid who, again, literally brought you all back in the game along with, you know, Sakai Ziegler is the one who, you know, the head coach who said, we're going to go with the hot hand drew up a play for and it wasn't like it was an air ball mm-hmm. i mean I, I saw the play it was a miss and the whole team went over there because they trusted him in that moment but yet the fan base they want to sit here and crucify him. and to be fair and to be fair too it wasn't like the entire fan base and there was plenty of people who i saw also you know fight back and say hey he was he had he was three of six before this so yeah we're, we're talking i still think about i think a minority of the fan base. I think it's just a pretty large percentage still. It's, it's more than it should be. Um, to go back to the JP thing, I, I think that's, I think looking at from, from whatever watching from JP and just looking at the stats too, he was a better kind of slasher cutter to the basket than Josiah is, but Josiah is a better three point shooter than JP ever was better free throw shooter, better rebounder, but JP is a little bit better overall of a score. And he also, like you said, kind of a point guard role. He averaged, uh, his last two years at Tennessee, he basically averaged 10 points, four boards, three assists. He shot 12%. He didn't shoot a bunch of threes, but he only, he only attempted, I think, 24. He had 24 his second year at Tennessee, but shot 12% from three. It wasn't until his, his last year at Tennessee where he shot 32% from three. He only attempted 34 threes that year. So, like, you know, he wasn't a three-point shooter, um, but he was every year consistently shooting in the upper 50s, lower 60s in, in his two-point shots. But, yeah, JP was a was a probably a better overall score, but still wasn't a guy who's averaging 15, 20 points a game, but better overall score, better cut of the basket. But man, I would take Josiah as a defender any day of the week over JP. And I think JP wasn't from what I remember, wasn't bad on defense. I don't remember now. Uh, I didn't pay much as much attention to defense back then as I do now, but I mean, Josiah is one of the best defenders on ball and just overall from a, a versatility standpoint that Tennessee's had in a long time in college in college basketball, at least like he, he's just a, really good defender who a lot of the stuff he does doesn't show up on the stat sheet even and, and what he does does show up, show up on the stat sheet is pretty impressive yeah jp had like a steal and a half per game so he he was not bad at that at least but that's what josiah averages he averages last year 1.4 steals per game this year 1.6 steals per game this year he's averaging 
just under six rebounds. He averaged six and a half last year. He's averaged seven and a half to eight points per game every year he's been here so far at Tennessee. Again, he's also not been healthy. He's had, I mean, I, I know it's like I'm making excuses for him. I'm not. I mean, I'm just trying to give context. And I also want to point out that, yes, he this year, the, the start of the season was brutal for him when it came to shooting. And, and you and I had talked about it in a podcast way back in December and early January, how we wanted him to stop just he just had become like an exclusively a three point shooter and he wasn't making the shots. And like, you need to, he needs to change his game and become aggressive because when he has been, that's typically when Tennessee's had more success is when his offensive game has been effective in the first 11 games of the season. And of course he missed a couple of those due to injury too, but still in the first 11 games he played, he shot like 22% from three and it was not doing well. And had one game, I think where he had scored double figures over the last seven games, though, and this includes the game where he played four minutes against Vanderbilt. Take take that game out, and his numbers look even better. But over the last seven games, Gene, he's making basically 39% of his threes. 38.7. He's averaging nine points, six boards, one and a half assists, one, one and a half steals. And he's making, again, 39% of his threes and 53% of his twos in 26 minutes per game. Again, take out the Vanderbilt game, and he's averaging double figures in points. He's averaging over six, maybe even seven rebounds a game. And he's making probably close to 40% of his threes because he took one three in that Vanderbilt game before he got hurt and, and left after playing four minutes. I mean, this is a guy that's, I, I you know, knock on wood, he says healthy because that's been the biggest issue. But this is a guy that if he keeps those numbers up. I mean, Tennessee is a different team when Josiah is effective on offense. So just look at the games they've played that he's been effective in. The only ones they've lost has been that game against Kentucky that they were going to lose no matter what happened because Kentucky could not miss a shot. And against Texas. And again, as we just said, he and Ziegler were the two guys that willed Tennessee back into that game thanks to their offense and their defense. So, I mean, I know we came out with a lot of energy and a lot of passion here in the opening of this podcast, Gene. But, like, I, I just... No, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I, I, do, I do want to just jump in. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't think. I think the the art, the biggest pushback, not against you, but against mm-hmm. those who yeah, kind of go against them, is just that. And I don't know. Again, I don't hear what it, what all is said. I, I think my biggest pushback is that we make the leap because of certain things to some overwhelming. He's not a good player. So I, I think the biggest the biggest frustration I have is we make the leap that he's not a good basketball player. Like he's flawed. Like I wish, I, again, I think the kid should be a better finisher at the basket. Yeah, I do. I, I do. Like, I, I think that's like the biggest knock uh, for me is that he doesn't finish well at the rim and that you can get some easy ba- baskets. You can create some mismatches with your size, but because he kind of shies away from contact sometimes, you don't get some of those easy baskets and you come out shooting. Whereas I think sometimes maybe he could go, he could start a lot more like with the inside, I'm sorry, go with the inside part of this game, maybe take a couple of shots, take a couple of knocks, get bound, bumped around a little bit, finish a couple of times, get to the free throw line. And that can maybe get you going for the outside part of your game. Like that's just, again, let's nerd out for a second on this. Like that's how I think he could be. He could really open it up, but instead he kind of, is aggressive catching the ball and shooting from outside and then maybe, you know, pull up jump shots, a lot of that stuff. And I just don't think he needs that. So like, I mean, I'm not sitting here acting like I don't watch the kid's game and I say, Oh, well, he's flawless. I don't know what everybody else is thinking. I just understand the kid's value to the team and how without him, 
you're going to figure this out. Like I've made some silly comparisons over the past. I think I've said Draymond Green, guys like that, because there's there's guys who, you know, I, I hear Jalen Rose calling basketball casuals, and I, that's kind of I like that term. There, there's guys that basketball casuals will say, well, why, blah, 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 blah. Why are they this? Why do y'all think they're that good? Well, they're just riding the coattails, but then you don't have those guys in and you start to see their impact. You see the impact when they're not in the game. Like, you know, I mean, in the NBA, the Warriors are struggling right now because Straymon's been out. He opens a lot of things up because of all the things he does. So when you're building a team, you're building a team with those contributions in mind. And when you lose them, you have to adjust. And Josiah does some stuff differently. He can guard five positions. He can bring the ball up court. You know, like he's a spotty shooter. I'm not going to give him. I'm not saying I like I mean, you throw the numbers out. I've never liked his form. But, I mean, he's a spotty shooter. He can make some shots. Shooting 30-something percent from three this year, whatever. Um, You know, like, so, again, I'm not going to act like the kid is flawless. Like, I think what happens on the Internet a lot of times is, there's zero nuance. You're either yep. great or you suck. Yep. And so what I wanted to do, even if I always said, if I'm going to talk basketball, I'm not going to do it in some sort of hot take, um, you know, some sort of hot take thing. I want to sit here and discuss it. And, and so, like, you know, you can watch this game and understand that there's things that have, he has to work on and maybe moments that he has to be better. I'm not, I'm not counting the last play. I'm not kind of last play because basketball is a make or miss sport. Everybody's crucified because they miss it. And how, why would Rick Barnes draw the play up for him anyway? But there, there are things he has to get better at situational stuff. He has to be better at maybe be a little bit more aggressive, getting the ball in the paint, you know, going to work on smaller guys, maybe take some bigger guys outside. Um, maybe that's one way he could be effective. I don't know, but I'm also, like I said, I'm just not doing the thing. And obviously you're not either where it, it, we hop straight into the he stinks, he can't shoot, get, uh, get rid of his scholarship. And I'm not saying that's the majority. I, I highly doubt that that's um, – I mean, like I've, I've said my stuff about the fan base, but I do understand there is a good port, there is a good faction of just basketball fans. I've had some reach out to me over the mm-hmm. past few years. Like there's a good faction of just basketball people who understand and they're not saying some of the stuff they may be frustrated he missed the shot but I think they understand it so again I don't want to sit there and paint with the broad brush kind of like you know maybe some of the fan base wants to do when he misses the shot I don't want to paint with the broad brush I'm just simply saying as we have this conversation that yeah like he's he's not flawed uh, I'm sorry he's not perfect but he's not flawless if that makes any sense like he, he's somewhere in between he's a, he's a basketball player Right. They're all like that. And, and I don't think that his star his star ranking three years ago is indicative of the type of player that he is because he's just a really good player. It's just he doesn't do anything great at all. Yeah, like you said, if you want to blame anybody for the star ranking, blame the services who ranked him a five-star. You know, can do the same for J.B. Prince. Like you said, though, if you're a six-six guy who played point guard and played it really well coming out of high school, I mean, chances are they're going to reach you top 30, top 25, top 20 in the country. So, I mean... Still, he, he, he's been, again, a consist- when he's been healthy, he's been a consistently really good defender, probably elite defender. Um, and he's a guy who's going to be, to me, I think he will be an NBA player, Gene. I don't think he'll ever be a, a full-time starter or anything like that. He's a guy who's going to be a bench player. 
I think I think he'll be a I think he'll be an eighth guy, <laughs> eighth guy in the league. I think he'll I think he'll make a lot of money overseas or something. But I can see that too. Like there there has to be, like at that level. If he if he had played point guard at Tennessee, um, I, I could see somebody wanting to take a shot on him. But um, again, I think you know at that level, it's what do you do well? I'm not sure there's a pro on that team. I, I'm not sure that there's an NBA guy. Maybe Huntley Hatfield. Uh, Chandler will probably get drafted. He may end up being a G League guy just because of his size. Um, but and I could be wrong. But I mean, if people want. Kennedy Chandler to be a pro probably need to track the, you know, to track the career, track the career of uh, Sharif Cooper uh, yeah. who played at Auburn a couple of years ago. Like just see where that kid's at. And that kid was a better player his freshman year than Chandler's been. And Chandler's been really good. Um, especially as of late, I think he's had, you know, had some really good moments, but um, not, so no, I, I don't, like I said, maybe Huntley Hatfield, if he develops. You don't, you don't think more. James could turn into a, I mean, this is reaching a little bit, but to to a certain extent, you think James could turn into someone like a, a Tony Allen? I mean, he he never was like a guy who had a lot of offense, but of course was an elite defender. No, I'm telling you, I think his NBA comp would be a Draymond Green, but Draymond Green was a second round pick. Draymond Green didn't play his first couple of years because uh, Mark Jackson was trying to develop him as a basketball player. Uh, you know, you know, then once Draymond fully developed, you got him into a situation where you're like, okay. We can figure some things out. Um, you know, he's not Ben Simmons' size, so he can't be Ben Simmons. He's a better shooter than Ben Simmons, too. Um, but he does some of the same stuff while not being as ball dominant. Um, I, I mean, I, I think from a basketball perspective, you could be saying Draymond. Like that's, but that takes time mm-hmm. because it's hard. If this makes any sense. It would be hard in 2022. Draymond was really good in college. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize how good. Like, I think that was a Final Four team, Draymond's senior year. And people so. didn't realize how good he was. Uh, Josiah's college career won't be that. Mm-hmm. And that and that career got him drafted somewhere in the second round. And he had to develop. So I don't know if you draft that. How How do you draft that? Yeah. Is that or do you draft that and stash it in the G League for a while and like let him develop? You know, all, there's so many different things there. Like I, again, when I watch that team, I, I'm not 100 percent sure that I see. There's not a guaranteed pro. Like I mean, Chandler may leave after this year, and that's fine. And you know, best luck to him going forward. If that's the case, I mean, I, I, I guess we would. I think a lot of people would be surprised if he came back at this point. Yeah. Um. You know and. Tennessee's in pretty good shape at that position um, going into next year. But they, you know, like I, maybe Chandler gets a chance somewhere. I mean, maybe somebody likes him. Uh, I never bought in. We talked about this at the beginning of the season. I never uh, – look, the size is an issue to me. It's an issue to me, and it's an, it, there's not many guys that size, you know, at that age playing – in the NBA. There's just aren't. Uh, I mean, Chris Paul, you can say Chris Paul, but Chris Paul is 36 years old. He's nicknamed the point God. And if you just watch how he controls a game, that's special. Like I understand the accolades, the championships, which is what we judge everybody by at that level. Like that hasn't, you know, that hasn't been there, although they've been good last year and this year, but 
I mean, that's still in terms of just knowing where to get everybody. That's a skill that has been, you know, honed over like what, 16, 17 years in the NBA. Um, I think Chandler, again, I think that could be another guy, but I'm not, I'm not willing to say anybody on this team that I've watched play basketball this season is a pro. And they, and I think they've got good players, but that's, you know, when we're talking about that level of the NBA, that's a lot. That's that there's a step there. There's just a step that there's certain boxes that have to, I mean, that's why even a head, I mean, a guy who I kind of, I guess is kind of a head case and a money Bates and will still <laughs> pop up on lottery stuff that, you know, guys like that. I, I mean, at that size, you've got, I mean, at that size, you've got to be Davion Mitchell. Um, yeah, that's the guy from Baylor. Uh, you've got to be Davion Mitchell type good. Um, you know, like you've got to be explosive like a Darius Garland, who I think is taller. Uh, yeah. You've got to be Colin Sexton, who I think is a little bit taller. Uh, I don't think that Chandler is quite that. Uh, as far as Josiah, I'm not sure if there is a comp. Like, I mean, maybe uh, – I don't know if there's a, a comp at that level for what he does. And it's hard to get excited about the triple single guy yeah, you know, like that's kind of what Draymond <laughs> Green is. Like, you know, like, oh man, we yeah, we draft, you know, like imagine you know, try to get a fan base excited because you you, you know, because you drafted a guy who averages seven points, five rebounds, three and a half assists, and plays good defense. Like at least some guys make sense. At least the guy who averages 25 a game, he makes sense, even if he stinks, and even mm-hmm. if you put on a bad team. Uh, imagine imagine signing a guy out of high school who averages those numbers. Like, you're not going to get a lot of excitement from that. And mm-hmm. you can say, well, you just don't know, you just don't understand, and all this and the other, but like, those are multi-million dollar corporations when you get past high school, like college and pro. Like, they know what they're looking for. I'm glad you brought up Kenny Chandler, because really quickly before we get to um, Zakai Ziegler here in a second, I... I, I... I'm curious your thoughts on on Chandler's year so far at Tennessee because I, I I do see a lot of potential and I see a lot of athleticism and I see a lot of creativity on offense. He, he's one of the few guys that can that Tennessee's had the past couple of years who's able to create his own shot and do things on offense that most Tennessee's players can't do. But I also see just a I don't know if he's trying too hard or if he's just plain reckless. I mean, there, there's so many times he's made turnovers where I've thought. I don't know what he was thinking there. He, he was trying too hard. Like there's been the last couple of games. I remember early in the year when they would try those, he would try the hammer play where he, you know, run to the baseline and try to pass it out. There were a couple of times I thought he's not careful. He's going to step out of bounds and, get, and create a turnover. And then lo and behold, the last couple of weeks, he's done that two or three times now where he's gotten too close to the baseline and stepped out of bounds and they whistle him for it and, and call him a turnover or he's had a bad pass coming out of there for the hammer throw, um, hammer pass, whatever you want to call it, um, hammer play. It's not just that, though. I mean, there's been times I feel like he is pushing really hard on fast breaks when I'm just like, we may have talked about this last episode, too, where I'm just like, you don't need to always go 100 miles an hour on those fast breaks. Like, you need to slow it down sometimes and observe. And because there's been so many times he's gone and tried to do a layup himself and get the shot blocked or just miss miss the layup completely or tried to pass it back out and try to, you know, try to force a score on a fast break and turn it over. I'm curious your thoughts on Gene. Is it just a matter of him just pushing because he knows he's really good and he, th- he thinks he can do things that he just can't? 
or I mean, is he playing? Is, is it just him playing reckless, or is he just his basketball IQ low? Because I think I don't know. I I I like a lot of the stuff he's done. I think he's a really good player, and I think again, people are maybe being too harsh on him, saying, "Oh, you know, who's a five star? He needs to be did this and that." But we we just we just talked about that with Josiah. Obviously, Chandler is a better scorer, and I think overall has more talent. But like to me. I don't know. I, 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 I think he's good. Like you said, I, I just don't know, like with his height and measurables and whatnot for when he's going to go into the NBA, when's he get drafted, all those different stuff. But I am, I'm not sold. I don't know. I, I, I still think he's a great player. I'm just trying to figure out how to put into words, like what, what I feel about him because there are just so many times I've watched him and thought, I know he's being coached because he'll he'll do it and Rick Barnes will get on to him on the sideline and he'll sit there and he'll, he'll absorb what Rick Barnes is saying. And sometimes he'll, you know, talk back with him but not talking at him to like argue with him really or whatever. And I know he's been coached up in practice and he's talked about before why he has come to Tennessee was to receive that type of coaching and to learn and, you know, to improve his game in a lot of different areas. But I, I just, it feels like some of the same mistakes he's making right now are the mistakes he was making in November or in December. Like it doesn't seem like there's, there's been growth in some areas for him. It just seems like to me, I don't know if he's pressing too hard because he's trying too hard or if he's just playing reckless because he just, again, thinks he can do some things that he just can't. But I'm curious your thoughts on it, Gene, as, as someone who, you know, has watched the game more, more than I have and, and whatnot. But I, I just think that, I don't know, it, it's a curious case with him because I, I definitely think he's, very talented and he when he taps into that talent and that potential boy he looks really good out there on the court but he just i don't know it, it just seems like he it makes a lot of freshman mistakes i guess maybe he's just like i said maybe his basketball iq just isn't where i expect it to be i don't know no i don't think it's quite that um i made a very what i thought was a very smart point going into uh, the 2020, 21 season. Yeah. Pat yourself on the back. I said, yes, I am. <laughs> I am right now. Uh, no, but I, I don't even know if smart's the word I'm thinking of, but it, it was, it was a very forward thinking point. I'll say um, it was the, obviously it was the class with Jaden Springer and uh, Keon Johnson. And I, what I said was the players that Kennedy, Ch- I'm sorry, not Chandler. Well, the players that, Jaden Springer is going to be playing with a different type of basketball player than he's accustomed to. And people got really mad and they got frustrated. How dare you? So that's why, I mean, if you look, I mean, Ben McKee leads the way on it, that, that rep scallion. Um, <laughs> it, it, he used to make the joke that yeah, if you look, if you type in my, tw- if you type in IMG in Tennessee, um, like you'll see a bunch of references to me and, because the point that I was making was the, the, the caliber of player, the caliber of athlete that, uh, that, Keon, that Jaden Springer was playing with at tennis, I'm sorry, at IMG, that was going to change. And that style was going to change once he got to Tennessee. The caliber of athlete, just simply athlete at IMG was higher, in my opinion, than what was at Tennessee. Especially going into last year, there was Jane Springer, Eve Pons, Keon Johnson. Josiah is a nice athlete, but he's not explosive like that. So kids like that who are point guards, they've got the ball in their hands. They catch the ball, man. Hey, you play for IMG, you play for Sunrise Christian. That's a show. 
So you're a point guard. You get the ball out. You, you're running the ball up the court. You're looking for somebody to throw that lob to. So I think a lot – and, you know, so that was the point I was making with Jaden. And, and so as, we, as I, you know, move that to Kennedy, you know, like you watch him, and I think there are times where he's getting it out. He's like, who's coming with me? And sometimes there's just not anybody there with him. He's pushing because he's a point guard. He's pushing that ball up court because he's a point. But, like, the rest of the guys, like, they're – let's be honest, it's not as fast. Like, I mean, look, man, John Fulkerson is, you know, I say this sounds silly. We've Everybody's made the joke about his age, but he is like, you know, it's not like, it's not like Fulkerson was ever out here running four threes. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, yeah. So the speed of the game, the speed at which, you know, Kennedy Chandler can play with, he catches the ball and he's, he's, you know, weaving and he's looking and all of a sudden he gets down court and he's like, yo, I don't have anybody with me. So what do I do? <laughs> you know, like sometimes, you may be able to make a shot, but I do think there's a number of like turnovers and mistakes and things that happen because like, again, if you're a point guard, your thing is get the ball out. Let's run, let's ride. And that those opportunities don't always exist there, like in Tennessee, because like the guys are trying to get up there with you, but you know, they're just not like, they're not capable of it. And so I, I think a part of what has to happen is he kind of, needs to slow down but at the same time yeah in some aspects i understand like you're almost taking away a little bit of who he is as a player because he's trying to get the ball of court quick quick he's not wanting that defense to get set because that's what point guards are always thinking like true point guards yeah. like man don't let him get set don't let him get set and especially with his speed i mean if i was him i wouldn't even worry about like passing the ball hey I man i'll take a missed shot over a turnover any day Let's go to my stat sheet. You know, I, I, I mean, and yeah, you want him to be under control and you want that. But man, like that's like you want, you know, if you're a point guard, you want to get that ball and you want to go. And, and that's what he's always been trained when he was at Briarcrest, when he was at uh, Sunrise, when he's been playing AAU. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he played for somebody like Team Thad or I don't know who he played for, but I know he probably he played for one of the elite AAU programs in the country. I don't have to ask. You're the number one point guard in the country. I know he played elite. He's always played for elite programs. That's who he is. That's where he's been. And so he's always played with elite athletes. And if you're, again, it, I would love, love to play with the point guard like that because he's getting the ball out. In four seconds, he's down court. You know, me, I mean, like, heck, as I got to college, I became a good shooter. I'm, You know, somebody like Vescovy, I'm sprinting to a spot because Chandler's not, it's not like, it's not like he's selfish. If I'm, if I'm a guy like Vescovy, to a lesser extent, maybe um, Josiah, like guys like Chandler and Ziegler with the speed that they want to get up and down the court, you feed off of that. Like that's the stuff you feed off of because if you're a trailer, if you're somebody like Vescovy, all the wide open shots you're getting because of a guy like Chandler who was forcing the defense to hurry up and get back because if they don't, he's going to go in for a layup. He's going to dump it down to somebody like Olivier, Fulkerson, Yorosh, somebody like that, Huntley Hatfield, for a dunk. But you can also, you know, drop it back to, you know, to the trailer for a three. So, again, I think it's, it's, it's hard. It's why a lot of times you don't see the best of point guards, um, 
in their freshman year. Like you see some great situations. You see some great stories. Like again, Kyrie played what eight games for Duke, or maybe it was eleven or thirteen. It's one of those like it was very low. It wasn't half the season. You'll mm-hmm. see some performances where you're just like, wow. But a lot of times those guys are also in situations where there aren't great players around them. Like, you know, Garland at Vanderbilt. There weren't a bunch of great players around him, so he had to go for 20 and 7. He chose that. Uh, you know, like all over on the girls' side. Like Ryan Howard, she couldn't put up those numbers at Tennessee because you're surrounded by great players. So, like a, a guy like Chandler, you, you're going to see his highs, you're going to see his lows because he's not a five-star, he's a freshman now. It's already happened. It's already been done. So, um, like, so again, I, I don't, it's not, I, I don't think it's an IQ thing. I think it's just a style thing that he's just always been, you know, programmed to catch the ball and go because he's a small point guard. He can create, you know, he's there to try to create for other people. It's just, again, he makes a lot of mistakes because he's a freshman. Uh, what probably wouldn't hurt if he came back for a second year, but I, I mean, obviously, I don't think anybody expects him to, um, because maybe that's something you can. But that that benefits Tennessee. That doesn't benefit Kennedy Chandler. Yeah, that benefits. Yeah, and so that's the difference there. So I, I don't think the guys, the kids, will be back. But he again, he's a kid who you watch him and you're just like, you see enough there to where you you remain optimistic about him like the things that he does he does do well he's unselfish he can shoot you know he's sometimes inconsistently shot and shooting but he's done a good job and he's done a good job of playmaking for others so um i think his overall season's been good uh, i don't think there's I, like i said a few weeks ago on the podcast i don't think there's been much gap between him and ziegler um i don't i think they're the same sort of player they're just kind of different you know in terms of different size uh you know, I mean, but they're both aggressive point guards uh, that do great things. Uh, by the way, Nathaniel, did you read that story from the Knoxville News Sentinel? Yes, I did. And before we get to it, I want to say thanks for the explanation because I feel like that makes me feel better about <laughs> just, I mean, a little better about Chandler. It makes me feel, I guess, maybe a little worse about the whole team. But I, I think it's a good point about Chandler. I mean, it's more maybe a reflection on the lack of athleticism slash, you know, top end talent on the rest of Tennessee's roster than it is on Chandler. So I, I think that was, that helped me a lot. And hopefully it helped the listeners too. Cause I, I think that kind of opens my eyes a little bit and, and kind of readjust my positioning there. But yes, no, that, that piece by Mike Wilson in Knox news. Oh, that was fantastic. I, I, I'm glad you brought it up. I know we were, we're going to talk about it anyway, but I think this is a perfect transition into it. For those of you who hadn't read it yet, I imagine most of you listening probably have or watching probably have, but um, I'll link it in the show notes, the description of the podcast, and I'll link it in the YouTube description on the video too. But Mike Wilson did a fantastic piece with Zakai Ziegler and his mom um, talking about basically his time in New York and, and just him growing up and the, the difficult, just kind of the difficulties he had taking a train to go pursue his dream of playing basketball, Gene. And, and you know, the whole story behind all of that and the fact that like, I mean, the whole way he got to the peach jam and how that was how he got discovered and how that almost didn't even happen just all this different stuff about how he had to fight tooth and nail to get to where he could even get discovered and that is at tennessee and now he's like i mean you and i had talked i remember when we when tennessee got the commitment from ziegler and he signed with tennessee and i talked to his the coaches he, he had at the prep year um, or not prep year where he where he came from 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 high school and, and talked to his you know the head coach and one of the assistant coaches over there who had coached with him and how much they 
praised him and said that uh, this the quote that always stands out to me from that interview it was in the um little audiogram thing i did for it too was the coach said that Ziegler is not is not afraid of the fire. He's not one of those guys that sees a fire runs away from it. He's going to run into the fire because he's not afraid. And I think that was a perfect and that that to me got me excited the moment I heard that phrase. And that to me has been the perfect descriptor of him in his time at Tennessee. He he runs into the fire and is not afraid of it at all. And I think to me he's already like he's already becoming or already is I think probably the favorite on this team besides, I guess, maybe Fulgerson because he's been here so long and Fulgie's just, you know, from here. And it's a different type of feeling when you have a guy who's been around the program for as long as Fulgerson has, and he's from the state and whatnot. That's a little different. And I think probably aside from Fulgerson, Ziegler's Tennessee fans favorite. And it's not just because he's a good player, but his attitude, it's his energy. It's the way he, it's the, it's the him reaching out and tickling the, the Florida player's nose and his arm. It's him uh, the other day against Texas A&M where he, no, that was Kenny Chandler. No, that was, it was Ziegler. Yeah, he made the guy, he broke his ankles and then he pulled up and shot the three and drained it and then the fans went crazy. I mean, he has the perfect attitude to where, not like a Marshall Henderson where he's like legit crazy, but he has like the, kind of close to what I would say like the, the Keldon Johnson for Auburn where opposing fan bases are going to hate him because he he is very intense and he, I want to say, I guess Ziegler is kind of boisterous, but he's a guy that opposing fan base is loathe. But if he's on your team, oh, you love him. And you're in, just like I me, mean, look at Maverick Schofield. He was a guy that opposing fan bases did not like because he would mouth off and he was gritty and all this different stuff. But Tennessee fans love Admiral. In fact, I think, I mean, I might run a poll and see. I think Vol fans might actually like Admiral, have, have, you know, talking about favorites of the Rick Barnes era. I think Admiral might actually edge out Grant Williams in terms of so far being the favorites of the Rick Barnes era at Tennessee. But to get back to Ziegler, I mean, Gene, you and I, we talked from the start of how we thought this kid was going to be something good. I, I didn't expect him to be as good right now and immediately as he has been. But you and I always thought that there was a chance that he was going to develop into a guy that fans would love and develop into a just really good, just steady, consistent player at Tennessee. He has exceeded my expectations for his true freshman season. Um but I can't. I, I also at the same time can't say I'm like shocked at it, just based off of what you and I looked at from his film, me talking to his coaches back when he committed and signed with Tennessee, and just knowing his personality, especially now that piece that Mike Wilson did. Like, if you already really like Zakai Ziegler, go read that article because it'll make you like him even more and make you like his his mom especially too. But he's just I always like getting to know athletes beyond the court, beyond the field, and kind of who they are as people. And I think now with the NIL and stuff, you're, that's going to be easier to do now more than ever but i think ziegler has a chance to go down as probably one of the top you know fan favorites of tennessee basketball potentially maybe ever at least in like the modern era because i don't i don't expect him to ever put up like chris lofton numbers or grant william numbers or, or things like that but i think he'll be a steady consistent guy who's gonna be a maybe all sec like all sec like second team player at some point in his career but he's just gonna be a guy that I mean, look at Dame Bradshaw. He was never the flashiest player, but Vans loved him because of the effort he gave and the grit that he had. And if he had been on some better teams for his whole career, he'd be remembered even more fondly than he already is. But I think Ziegler is a guy that fans already love, and I think they're going to just, if he stays here three, four years, I mean, he's going to be a guy that, I mean, you you could he he can go he wouldn't be able to go anywhere in Knoxville and have to pay for anything he he get anything he wants for free because people will be buying him stuff constantly and now they can do it for free or they can do it legally to an extent <laughs> with the NIL stuff I mean even after he uh, graduates too. So 
I think it's, you know, like the guys that you kind of mentioned before, it, it, it's all, it, it, it kind of goes in tune with the Josiah conversation. It's always expectations versus reality, you know, and a, a guy like Ziegler comes in, uh, I think he's only listed like a three star or whatever. So people didn't expect anything from him. And so now all of a sudden, I mean, again, we talked on the podcast, I flatly said, you're not going to be able to convince that kid he's not just as good as Kennedy Chandler. You're not going to be able to convince him. And that's not even knowing the story. And uh, I text uh, I text Mike yesterday morning when I read the story. And I, told, I thought it was a great, uh, an amazing piece. And, and it was. Um, just because, I mean, I, I wanted to take the time to read it. And it was very, very much, it was well worth the read. Um, because, like, that's a kid who's hungry. That's a kid who... You'll you'll never. I mean, you can't convince me doesn't belong now. And but the thing is, you you remain like as the story ended, when his mom came down to Knoxville and she thought she was going to learn Knoxville, and instead she ended up at Pratt Pavilion because that's where he's always at. And it's that it's that's the type of stuff that just shows like there's a hunger. I mean, it shows the hunger of the kid. It shows the you know you watch how he plays. That's not that's not by accident how that kid plays. Like, I mean, I don't mean like the, you know, all the, the, you know, quote unquote, quote unquote antics for lack of a better word. I just mean just how he plays. Like that's earned confidence by the, because of the work that the kid puts in every single day. He has an opportunity to go up against, you know, again, a quote unquote five star, a guy. Like, again, I don't, again, I say quote unquote because I know that's his ranking. But when you get to college, I don't care what your ranking is. It's 1000% irrelevant. Um, look at the guys who get drafted. After about the first like three to five picks, a lot of those guys are not five stars. Uh, John Morant could be an MVP, if an MVP candidate. He had zero stars. So you get to college, nobody cares about your stars except for people who want to write pieces. Um, but like Ziegler, his story is amazing. The type of player that he's been to, you know, to date, averaging eight points a game in 20 minutes essentially. I think it was 7.6 and 19.7 games exactly, whatever. Um, but Again, I think the greatest compliment for Zagaz Ziegler is the fact that there's like little to no drop off when he, you know, if Chandler goes out the game and Ziegler goes in. Mm-hmm. And that's that's in part recruiting because he blew up at that Peach Sham, uh, which my God, I think that's like the end of July, first of August. Like I know the time frame was crazy in, in general, but I mean, like that's a kid who again, what was it, four months prior? just had essentially decided he wasn't even going to pursue college basketball. And that's how quickly things can change for a player. That's how quickly things can change. And so like, that's a kid who literally went, I mean, heck in a number of ways, literally went from having nothing to having everything he's ever wanted in the span of what, three years. So if you think that that kid's done, because I mean, I think sophomore year was when he was when he moved to the the new school and he was riding the you know the I don't want to give away the story. Uh, mm-hmm. Like his sophomore year was where a lot of stuff changed for him, and and so now look at him, like that's a kid who is going to be so appreciative of everything he's been given. He's you know you can't convince him of any, you know you can't convince him any think different you can't convince me he doesn't belong you can't you can't convince him he doesn't deserve everything he's getting you can't convince him any of that stuff because of the type of player because of 
his upbringing because of just everything he's gone through to get to this point, like going into Rupp Arena or going into um, Allen Fieldhouse or Cameron Indoor or wherever they may go the rest of the way, like you, you can't shake them. Like he was as good of a player as Tennessee had on the court when they played at Alabama. I understand they didn't win the game. He was as good of a player that was on the court that day. Mm-hmm. And because that it was just him that day. Because that's when Chandler was gone. That's when Fulkerson was gone. Um, so, you know, like, again, I can't say enough about how great that story was. Um, I, I think, you know, journalism at its core, it's not about hot takes. It's about telling stories of people. And you can complain all you want to about certain things that happened. But, you know, like, that was an amazing story that told that told a story of a kid that you would not otherwise know. Because now his, now look at all the exposure that's about to happen. Anytime Tennessee's on national television, it's the Kyle Ziegler gets in. You don't think that, uh, was it Tom Hart or whatever the guy's name is? You mm-hmm. don't think that Jimmy Dykes, you don't think that these guys that are doing broadcasts are going to bring it up anytime that story gets mentioned. Uh, I'm sorry, anytime the Kyle Ziegler's name gets mentioned. That's positive publicity for the program, for the program. You know, like, I mean, there's so many bad things that you can say about kids, not on Tennessee. I mean, but I mean, across the country, bad stories that if people, you know, wanted to kind of dive into or whatever, they could perhaps so many bad things, you know, that people feel is going on in the world of college athletics. If you can talk about a story like that on a broadcast, you're going to. Mm-hmm. And so again, last thing, like, like shout out again to Mike because that was extremely well done. Yeah, and again, I'll I'll link that in the uh, podcast description here and also in the YouTube description too. But yeah, he he, he I really like admire his eager shoot. It's, it's not just the whole thing that you said, like his attitude, like his play and all that stuff. I, I admired like his his work ethic, and I admire his his never say die attitude and like you said like he he's been asked i think two or three times now at the end of games like you know how do you how did you respond to that environment whatever and he's like dude i played up in the streets in new york like nothing's gonna phase me and, and i don't know how many more times you have to say that before people realize that, you know i'm just gonna stop asking him this question because i know what the answer is gonna be and, and it wasn't even just that like you said like he just his the way he grew up and all this different stuff like he's not gonna be phased man you can say what you want to him do what you want be as loud as you want on a, in a an arena can go to up to Rupp, obviously, and, and play in front of those crowds and go when, you know, not this year, but maybe next year when they play Auburn at Auburn, like as, as loud as that arena can be, you know, he's not, he's unflappable. I mean, he's not going to be a guy who's going to wilt under pressure. I, I would, to me, he's like Lamonte Turner in that respect. Like I never worry about Lamonte Turner, um, the moment being too big for him. He's always a guy that I thought had that pit bull mentality where he, you know, he never wilted under pressure. He was a guy that I knew that even if he missed a shot, like he, he was a guy that I trusted to take that shot because I knew that he had the confidence in himself and he had the attitude that, you know, even if he missed it, it's not going to let him, it, there's, there, you have some mentality, like you miss shots over and over again, it will get to eventually. But like, I always trusted in Lamonte to bounce back if something bad happened. I'm going to trust he would do the same thing if anything bad happens, like in a game. He, he He's not a guy that I have, I feel like I have to worry about um, making the same mistake twice really i mean he's a freshman so he's learning out there and he is undersized i mean there's he, he does have limitations but like he's been solid man in, in the games this season that tennessee's played in the sec or i guess for the last 10 games counting the texas game too like he he scored double figures in in three straight games in four of the last five um he need he's not 
I guess he, he has gotten actually a lot more consistent in his three-point shooting. In his last 10 games, he's shooting 30%, but his last five games, he's shooting um, a lot better than that. He's, close, he's shooting close to 50%, I think, in his last five or six games. Um, but in the last 10, he's averaging 8.8. He's averaging two and a half rebounds, which for being 5'8", five, 5'9", five, that's impressive. Uh, two and a half assists, two steals per game. Again, making 30% of his threes, making 90% of his free throws. Like, he's a really good free throw shooter. He's also that, I know I think that's gotten got lost, but he's attempted uh, 39 free throws this year and has made 33 of them. Like, he's only missed six of his 39 free throws that he's attempted this year. He, he's Tennessee's best free throw shooter. I don't think it's even that close. Um, he's a guy who, in that Vanderbilt game, didn't make a single field goal, was 0 for 8, but he finished with 11 points because he was 11 of 12 from the free throw line. So he, he got to the bucket or got to the basket uh, plenty of times. He got plenty of drawn fouls in that game too. So, I mean, he's just a guy that I he, he's he been surprising but also not surprising to me. And like you said, I agree 100% with you. Journalism to me too, as someone who was in sports media for a long time, of course you're still in it clearly, Gene, uh, as, your, as your main job. Um, it's about telling stories and it's about finding – really, I guess, finding – emotion in humanity and finding the humanity in humanity and, and bringing that out and letting other people see it and t- connecting people and saying, Hey, we're all more similar than we are different. And I think that's a, that's a big part of journalism. And when, especially when it's done right is telling these unique stories that otherwise you wouldn't know. And, and, and Mike Wilson was on the Swain event on uh, Thursday morning. And he said, he's got you know, get of credit to the guy and his mom, because, you know, Interviews are only as, as good as the interv- as the person being interviewed's willingness the, their willingness to be open about their story. And he said credit to both of them because they both were very open and you know honest about their stories. And I, I thought that was a good point too. But um, I think we were in this. We, we've done this for close to an hour now. I know Gene, you've got to go do something else here too. So I'll go ahead and end the podcast here. But again, thank you all so much for listening. Go check that piece out. And I, I also do want to mention too that um, Tennessee plays South Carolina on Saturday and we didn't really get to this talking point, but again, Tennessee has a, an easier schedule coming up. That's at South County. It's a road game. It's going to be tough. At Mississippi state will be tough. They host Vandy host Kentucky at Arkansas at Missouri host. Number one, Auburn will probably be number one by that point. Still, maybe we'll see at Georgia and host Arkansas to end the year. So your road trips uh, are your toughest road trips are out of the way. Mississippi state and Arkansas will still be tough, but it's not going to be the same as a Kentucky LSU and Bama. Um, but I think Tennessee will have a better close than they did a start in SEC play. But again, that's where we end this episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We are very, very appreciative of all the support you've given us here at Vol Basketball Fever. Signing off for Gene, I'm Nathaniel, and this has been another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss a new episode. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for more video content and follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Thank you, all fans.